everybody. Derek Johnson here with Aurora WDC. Welcome back to a really awesome edition. I hope, uh, I trust that this will become uh, of Running Into the Fog, our podcast. My brother, Eric Johnson. Eric, great to be with you again today. Morning, Derek. Hi, Jesse. Good morning. Uh, we have a special guest today, and I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory that I don't often do about this young man, Jesse. Jesse, welcome. Uh, I'll let you say a quick hello, and then I'll go into that. Hi, Derek. Hi, Eric. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me here. I'm excited to speak with you guys. We're excited to have you today. And you know, this this podcast is one that uh, we've tried now to set up as a you know a safe space to have a, a great conversation with a really diverse group of guests that we've had now. And this is actually podcast recording number 22, recording on the 20th of September, 2021. We expect, Eric, this podcast to go live uh, around December 7th uh, of this year. So uh, look for this by mid-December of 2021. And what's cool about our guest today, everybody, Jesse, is that, uh, you know, like in a lot of our podcasts, we kind of met by chance. So I had a a chance to do a presentation of facilitated discussions, I like to call them, for um, a, a group of MBA students at Gannon University out in Erie, Pennsylvania. And this would have been a almost a year ago. So it was last September. Uh, I roll into a, an evening course. It was around uh, 6 p.m. my time here in the central time zone where I live in Madison, Wisconsin. And, you know, there was probably in that classroom, that virtual classroom that evening, that Thursday evening, as I recall, you know, there's probably uh, 18 to 20 students, um, some of them there because their instructor said they had to be, right, Jesse? Um, maybe they weren't necessarily attracted to the topic or even you know the thought of this guy from Wisconsin who they had no prior knowledge about. But you know, uh, for those of you that have uh, watched uh, any of these podcasts, actually done the, the video of them or been on a Zoom with me, I have over my right shoulder a, a certain piece of artwork. Uh, it's known as the Mamba mentality. I'm a Kobe Bryant fan, particularly after his passing in January of 2020. And the Mamba mentality goes like this. It's a constant quest to be the best version of oneself. And, you know, the minute that Jesse came into that environment, even though he might not have been super attracted to the topic or even me, he he saw that I uh, had that Mamba mentality poster up on my wall. I think that was a moment, Jesse, when you felt like, you know, this guy might not be so bad. And this, uh, this topic this topic, maybe I can learn something from it. So uh, I actually remember visibly observing your body language becoming a little bit more open. And it was following that uh, evening with the MBA students when you and I started to develop a friendship and maybe even a little bit of a mentorship. And I, I know I've helped you. You would say I've helped you maybe uh, think through some of the some of the challenges of getting an internship or challenges of thinking about becoming a professional uh, ambassador for Gannon University or your family or yourself out there in the open world. So I just wanted to share that story because I'm a people person. I joke that I'm a people person, but a numbers guy, I'm finance driven, uh, you know, leader here at the firm, but, you know, just so blessed to have had a chance to get to know you, Jesse. I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name, but I'd like you to do it for our listeners. Can, can you give us your full name? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, that was a great introduction. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, it's Jesse Nihemuka, like a Nihemuka. Jesse Nihemuka. Oh, wow. Okay, so did I get it even close? 
the first try. Pretty good. Okay. So Jesse, you came uh, to the U.S. back in 2014 from Rwanda. Can you? Uh, I think our listeners would enjoy this story. Can you share a little bit about what was your what was your aspiration? Why did you come to the United States? And you know, kind of a, what did you take away from those lessons, those early lessons of traveling you know, on your own and you know uh, pursuing some ambitions that maybe didn't turn out quite right and you know where does that lead you to today and then i'm going to give my brother a chance to kind of open us up with the first question from our side absolutely well as um as you said you know it was was that evening when you were giving that lecture and i saw your poster and (laughs) it was a really um enduring moment because obviously of uh, his his passing and i'll later go on and, and, and say how i got here in high school but um, yeah, it was it was very um, I was very interested and curious to see, you know, professionals like you, you know, CEO of Aurora, right? I wanted to know like, oh wow, so is he a basketball fan as well? Because I'm a huge basketball guy, so that's one of the, that's the biggest reason why I was really interested in that lecture you gave us. Also, competitive intelligence is kind of interesting, you know. So, <laughs> um, so I came here. Um, uh, the summer of 2014 in uh, my sophomore of high school in West Virginia. And um, my dream as every kid was to go to the NBA. <laughs> you know, I've, I've heard a few podcasts and there's been a couple of people who have been, who've had the same story, but uh, yeah, I came, uh, I played high school basketball around senior year, you know, when uh, all my colleagues were getting division one offers and, full rides and I was only getting talking to a few D2 schools and you know a couple of D3s I was, you know that's when I started saying you know what maybe this NBA thing is not <laughs> that achievable but um nevertheless I wanted to go uh play college college basketball so I ended up playing uh at a D2 school in West Virginia and uh you know with my background and my African parents and how they're so focused on me and my siblings, you know, getting the highest grades. As soon as they started seeing me get a few B pluses, they were like, nope. So <laughs> I had to choose between, you know, basketball and uh, education. And also a few health issues my freshman year of college um, contributed to that fact. But uh, yeah, then ended up transferring again to university, which is um, where we met and where we virtually met, haven't really physically met. And um, yeah. yeah, I just finished my uh, undergrad this past summer and I'm doing my MBA as well. So that's how I took a few MBA classes uh, when you lectured us last year. And um, yeah, I mean, that's it. Yeah, so so what you listeners didn't get out of that is Jesse's six foot eight. Um, he's got some natural gifted abilities uh, athletically uh, and obviously of your size i can tell you i might have had the dream to go to the nba too but i'm a i'm a uh, six foot four with no vertical leap dude and that that dream was quickly shattered you know long long before yours was eric uh, let's get into some good questions for jesse on this episode i was gonna say your vertical leap was like six or seven inches as i recall in high school (laughs) on a good day on a good day Uh, so not too bad, but 
Well, Jesse, what a pleasure it is to finally meet you. I've heard so much about you from Derek and, uh, and just what a bright, you know, young man you are. And uh, first of all, congratulations on graduating from college. Uh, here we are. I think it's the last day of summer. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is a kind of a big milestone as you now start your MBA uh, and going to be wrapping up an MBA in, in, in finance. Is that the emphasis? Yeah, business analytics. Business analytics. Awesome. And so um, I'm super curious about that. I mentioned to you as we were doing the windup that uh, though I'm a history undergrad, and by the way, uh, a few years ago, somebody asked me, you know, what what part of history? And it was, it was all over the place. And uh, in sort of looking at it, I realized my interest in history is driven by losers. You know, so at what point did a contender uh, become a loser, whether that's an army or a culture or a language or a political movement or whatever it might be. And so I see that there is a lot going on in the world economy right now. We won't dig too deeply into that, but I feel like we're coiling for something. There's a coiling is the term that I'm, uh, I've been using, kind of like a snake that's ready to strike. And I feel as though there's a lot of risk in the markets right now that we don't really have an appreciation for. Um, and I do want to get into some of that. Uh, but uh, tell me, where are, what, what's your emphasis uh, going to be as you sort of wrap up your college career and you move into the business world? Um, what's, what are you most excited about? I think that's, uh, that's the thing I'm most curious about with you. Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'm... I'm most curious about, obviously technology is a huge part of uh, the business world as it has been. And I, it's growing at such a fast pace, you know, um, the technology we had two years ago, not the same we're gonna have, you know, a year from now or two years from now. So I'm fascinated mostly by what we can optimize most of the processes that uh, the financial markets or uh, the business world is using right now. I'm also fascinated to see how the landscape is going to potentially change from, you know, some players in the U.S. and Europe or um, Asia market, and uh, also the growth. And I mean, most of it was impacted by COVID and the pandemic. But um, if you would ask me, like, like, like what you just said, what, what's more, what's, uh, what am I more excited about? I would just say the pace at which the technology is growing and uh, the emphasis is putting on, you know, and I mean, the speed at which it's growing mostly, that's what I'm most fascinated about. And, you know, some of the technologies we're learning in our MBA classes right now um, are already um, showing that's what the industry is using. So it's, I'm excited for, you know, entering the workforce. I'm also uh, fascinated to see what, you know, I can potentially find or uh, leverage. Right. So that's a uh, follow-up to that, if I may, Derek. Uh, and that is, what is your definition of meaningful work? Uh, that's something that, you know, I often struggle with, you know, when I was your age and um, thinking about how to define what meaningful work was. It, and I, you know, shared with you as we were doing the windup that it was sort of any job just a job that paid me money uh, could be uh, the first definition of meaningful. It's kind of a Maslow's hierarchy. You know, you aspire to deeper meaning and self-actualization being kind of that peak. But uh, what is what is meaningful work for Jesse? Wow. 
as just like you, you know, it has evolved. You know, meaning work for me two years ago is not. I mean, it's it's evolved to you know what's meaningful work right now. But um, you know, with my background, you know, uh, I don't know how you guys are familiar with uh, the history of my country, Rwanda. But you know, just seeing the the tragedies that happened and uh, my parents are bringing, you know, um, meaningful work for me is first of all to be um, to work my hardest and um, you know reach the highest I can ever get, you know. So that's that's like the number one priority in my life. But you know, uh, I wouldn't specifically say you know financial wise or power wise. It's more like um, using the opportunities that I have and trying to, you know, meet as many people, impact as many people, help as many people, while also uh, making sure that I contribute to the success of my country. And, you know, uh, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm heading to the finance world. So, <laughs> you know, just see if I can leverage any of that to, you know, impact you know, certain areas where I see a gap in the market back home or even here, you know, because, you know, mm-hmm. society is so linked right now. I could I could be here in Erie, Pennsylvania and, you know, do work that can impact people 6,000 miles away in Kigali. So mm-hmm. meaningful work for me is at this point of, um, at this point is just developing myself, learning as much as I can. You, know, you learn your whole life, right? But it's more like, gaining expertise and uh, being the best that I can, you know, member mentality, right? It's just put my hard work and be the best at what I can be, or what I like and what I aspire to be. So yeah, meaningful, that's, I know it's a vague <laughs> answer, but I hope that, you know, maybe says a little bit about what I think is meaningful to me right now. It's a great answer. Thank you. I remember just kind of going a little bit deeper on that answer, Jesse, and and related to it. So um, last winter, when you reached out and you said, you know, looking to get an internship for the summer, and I want to, I don't want just any internship. I want to go for something that maybe stretches me, that gets me into uh, territories that are a little bit outside my comfort zone. And, you know, we had an exchange for, the, for our listeners. There was a time when I might be able to run around in a discounted cash flow model or a, you know, a time value of money table, you know, uh, without really uh, spending too many calories on something like that. And Jesse reached out and said, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, skilling up on uh, DCF, the discounted cash flow model. I'm doing some, some of this stuff. And I, I challenged you and I said, well, you know, how much do you know about uh, financial or financial services, FinTech, et cetera? How much do you know about digital transformation? That's a, one of the hottest buzzwords and continues to be, you know, not only in that uh, overall sector, but you know, across most of business. And so we had a neat exchange about that. And, you know, what I, what I suspect, Jesse, when you went for those interviews for various internships and you know, eventually got one that you, I know you really loved, you know, you were able to speak uh, with a certain sense of humility about what you know and what you also don't know. And for me, you know, and, and for any intelligence professional, competitive intelligence, you started out saying, you know, this field of competitive intelligence is a little bit of a mysterious fun zone, if you will. And certainly Eric and I see it that way. But talk to us a little bit about the 
humility required to be a, a college student, an MBA student these days, as you go out into the market, quickly expose some of your, your lack of knowledge in certain scenarios like what you experienced and how you overcome that in a really genuine and authentic way. Any uh, thing to share for our listeners? Absolutely. First of all, uh, I've said it a lot of times, but thank you again for helping me. You know, last year you, uh, I don't know if Eric knows the little details, but, um, you know, I'll say it over again. I know if I go over the time limit, but <laughs> so I was, it had, it was my senior year and I hadn't got a internship, you know, per se my whole college career, mostly because um, there's some details that I was, I wasn't including in my story. There was uh, many, um, many details that, you know, Derek was able to bring out in me and, and I'm, I'm forever going to be grateful for that. And, um, uh, for, you know, your help and uh, how you changed my perspective, right? Uh, but um, the thing with humility that you need, see, I, I try to be honest with, you know, everything that I do. And um, sometimes it's bad, but <laughs> no, it's not bad, but sometimes I can be too honest and maybe inspire lack of confidence. But um, in terms of... Um, what it needs or how I approach, you know, hard questions or, you know, especially in interviews or, um, you know, talking to seasoned professionals like you guys, right? I try to research and learn as much as I can. So that's the preparation part, right? Uh, before I talked to Derek, um, I made sure I knew enough about competitive intelligence that I can on Google. You know, I went over the slides, you went over with the class, um, yeah, even though I was just reaching out to just have a personal conversation, I I made sure I prepared myself and I tried to read up on your company, you know, Aurora and you know, your mission and uh, just the different uh, players in the market. And um, which is how um, I think, you know, I don't know if you guys played basketball a lot, but, you know, even if I'm 6'8", I was never, you know, the best player on the team. I was never, you know, I was, I was tall. But, you know, I don't have a 30 inch vertical, right? I don't, I'm not quick enough, right? So what really set me apart that I think is a big thing that I still apply to this day is uh, the amount of time and the amount of preparation that I put in everything. So if one season the coach said, hey, you're too slow, you're not running, you know, suicides in 25, in 30 seconds, you know, I made sure, you know, the next off season, I'll be able to run it in 30 seconds. I should be able to run it in 29. So uh, just getting the feedback from what I'm not, what I'm doing wrong and being able to work on it has also translated to, you know, here in the professional world where, you know, you talk to a few professors and they're like, you know what, um, you're doing good, but you're not doing this well. So like, before I come back for the next office hours, I'll make sure you you're not you don't complain about that thing you told me last time. So, with the job search, it was kind of the same thing. You know, uh, Derek inspired me to you know aspire for you know the biggest companies, you know the biggest companies in the world because he was like, look, you've had a you had a you have a unique story, and he he said people need to know that. And um, as soon as he said that, I also realized I'm like, you know what, maybe he's right. Let me try and 
you know, apply to these companies and see what happens. And um, I was lucky and uh, he helped me prepare a lot. But going through those interviews, every time they would mention something that I don't understand or that I don't know enough, I would straight out of the park tell them, hey, I don't know enough about this to give my honest opinion. But this is what I've read. This is a similar topic that I know a little bit about. Can you please enlighten me? So not just the job interviews, even during the summer, I made sure every time I speak to not even just a seasoned professional, even just a regular professional who maybe isn't as seasoned, I would make sure I tell them this is where I'm coming from. This is what I know. This is how much I've prepared. Can you please show me the way? Can you please, you know, tell me what I don't know? And you know, it's it's a lifetime of work, and I'm really grateful for basketball because my weaknesses, you know, it's a it's basketball. Yeah. You get exposed. You, you you get dunked on, or you don't go back on defense. Your team loses. You go to the bench. It's so easy to spot what you need to work on. Whereas here in the business world, sometimes you don't get as much feedback as you would like. And you kind of have to guess where, you know, where should I improve? What should I work on? But yeah, it's a very long answer. But uh, with that humility part, I tried to show that I've put in some work, but um, I'm willing to learn and I'm open to learn more. Yeah. Uh, a hunger to learn and a willingness to be vulnerable and, and expose those vulnerabilities, you know, in front of people that may place some judgment upon you for that vulnerability, right? And, you know, then it becomes more of a, who am I going to surround myself with? You know, and I think that that's, I didn't do anything for you. You did all the work. I only gave you a couple of tips, you know, of ways you may think about the interview process a little bit differently rather than, you know, a specific tactical mechanics of finance or business analytics. Think, think a little bit more broadly and then be able to just show up a hunger and enthusiasm for learning those different topics. And, you, know, you went and did the work. It's ridiculous to think I did all that much for you. And on that topic, Eric, you probably have a question or two for Jesse, where we might uh, get kind of real with this conversation and expose <laughs> some vulnerabilities of our own. What do you think? So one of your favorite uh, sayings is by one of your heroes that you follow, Jocko Willink. Uh, and the saying is, humble yourself or you will be humbled. Uh, and I think that's never been more true about our country. Uh, as a nation of immigrants, uh, America, the United States of America, uh, has become a nation of entitlements uh, in many ways. And I think that's our biggest strategic frailty. I was talking earlier about how do, how do contenders become losers? Uh, you know, that's that, from a historical standpoint, history undergrad, here's analyzing our current situation in the geopolitical uh, arena, as well as domestically. And I see just never before have I imagined that our country would be so divided and politically, politically and ideologically. Um, and I think that the entitlement that you see come across in, in American culture these days uh, really needs to be challenged. Um, and I think of, you know, your experience growing up in Rwanda, you know, during what was really, you know, a, a crime against humanity you know, period and, and the Rwandan genocide. Um, what are the consequences for Americans as you are now, you know, here and uh, hopefully making a career here or potentially starting a business maybe and taking it back to Rwanda or whatever your future holds? 
I'm prepared to be humbled by your advice on what our country needs to do differently in order to avoid what happened to your country 30 years ago or so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what happened, the genocide in, uh, against the Tutsi in 1994, um, you know, it's a tragedy, you know, you know the Holocaust, it's, it's things you, you would never expect, right? But um, it didn't just happen in 1994, you know, it started all the way in the 50s and 60s when um, that's about that's around the timeline when uh, my grandparents uh, were able to flee the country, right? Actually, my parents didn't grow up in Rwanda. But um, what I'm saying is 1994 tragedy, 1994 genocide was accumulation of 30, maybe 40 years of constant hate, constant um, tribalism, constant um, polarization. And um, I, I would never wish to see them happen anywhere else. You know, you see tragedies happening right now around the world and, you know, <laughs> I'm just helpless. I'm like, have you guys not learned from, you know, what happened in the Holocaust or even in Rwanda, right? But um, I wouldn't really um, say America is getting to that point or it's um, near that point. I've met a lot of <laughs> good Americans and I'm actually surrounded by great Americans. You know, I, I love this country. Ever since I came here at uh, you know, age 15, obviously, you know, there's room to grow, but, you know, the majority has been good encounters, you know, institutions are, I'd like to think they're solid. But, um, you know, there's a real danger to this polarization and people not even being able to talk because, you know, I believe this and you believe that. Granted, you know, we're all entitled to have our own beliefs, our own political ideologies. But at the end of the day, we should all, you know, be civil with each other and it should never get to the point where you hate someone because of what they believe in. You know, it's the same thing that happened in Rwanda, you know. I, I don't know if you guys are familiar, uh, you guys are familiar with what happened, but you guys from, having learned from me, you know, firsthand from my parents and having had losses, like personal losses in it, the stories you hear is just despicable. You know, it's families murdering each other because one married to the other tribe or, you know, it's neighbors that have been living together for 20 years killing each other, right? So I would never wish it to get to this point, but it was an accumulation. It was 30 years of constant hate, constant travels and constant polarization. And uh, my faith in America is that, you know, at one point you guys will figure it out. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it won't be, it won't get to that point, but there's certainly risks. And I think both sides of the aisle should always keep that human element in mind. You know what, you might disagree with me, but you're my, you're my neighbor, you're my brother, you're my, you know, co-worker, boss, or mentor. It, it should never be a divide between what we believe in, actual mm. humanness. Wisdom beyond your years, Jesse, and, you know, definitely great observations. I think, you know, the, the thing about human beings is that we have such capacity for uh, goodness and a, a countervailing capacity for wickedness. And I think, the wickedness happens when we make others less. 
when we think of others as being somehow subhuman. Uh, and it starts by otherizing people. And that term might be a neologism uh, in this podcast anyway, but making someone other. It's the us, them, you know, the false dichotomy of I identify with this group. This other group is opposed to them. Therefore, anyone who identifies with that group is other. They are not like me. They, they don't have my same virtues. They don't have my same uh, characteristics or traits. In fact, those characteristics and traits are inherently uh, against whatever it is my group and me as a member of that group are for. And so, you know, while I, I agree with you, I hope, uh, you know, deeply that we can heal the divisions. At the same time, I see a lot of trends which are designed to deepen the divisions. Specifically, I look at social media as a, as a trend in our culture and the narcissism that accompanies social media, that it's all about how many clicks and likes I got on my, you know, perfect image of my reality. And that by comparison, it's all about comparison. It's all about look at me and appreciate what I'm doing and my in-group that, that I belong to versus, you know, others. And I, and I think that's something I wrote a piece uh, on our 25th anniversary, and I'll, I'll send you the link, but I wrote a piece uh, on the 25th anniversary of, of Aurora that you have to believe in yourself uh, to start a company, uh, but you, you have to stop believing in yourself when you finally develop the capacity to believe in others. And, you know, that's a big part of maturing as a professional is you got to believe that you can do it. And then when you do it, you have to believe that others can do it too, so that you can begin to surrender. You can let go of some of the burdens that you may have thought you needed to bear, you know, early. Um, but it's, uh, I'm just really uh, thankful and, and grateful for your words there, Jesse, and your attitude. Um, question about mindset. Uh, the mindset of a young professional about ready to uh, forge a career, and I, I can't wait to cheer you on. Uh, in the in the decades ahead, as I hope I will have that opportunity to to be a big fan of Jesse's. Um, what does your mindset tell you about uh, where the work world is going to take you? Do you think you're you're you've got an entrepreneurial streak? You strike me as someone who's not afraid to take risks, and you know, calculating the risks is a big part of you know both financial markets, business analytics, as well as figuring out how to start things. Oh wow. Um... First of all, thank you so much. <laughs> I'm certainly looking forward to, you know, leveraging you and Derek because, you know, uh, my mentors and uh, my uh, champions. But um, yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to um, starting own, my own venture at some point. Um, you know, it's, it's always been a dream of mine to have my own, you know, company or run my own uh, division I you know have my own uh, business I guess and uh, mindset wise it's it's whenever the opportunity presents itself I am I'm I'm definitely sure I'll grab it like uh, if it when it presents itself or when I make of it and um, yeah it is there's, there's there's been a lot of you know hurdles you know you know as a as an immigrant as you know, um, 
someone who uh, the only other references that I had in the same situation were my older siblings, my sisters who also came here for school. So, you know, um, still trying to build a network, um, try to learn how, you know, the different, um, what it takes to build a business here, what it takes to, um, I know it takes a lot and I'm certainly sure I'm ready to take it on, but no, I, I definitely see myself uh, doing something on the entrepreneur side uh, in the coming future. Let's, let's talk about when you started to get that B plus in college and your parents, your parents said, no, this, this basketball thing is not going to stand in the way of you being a, a top, top tier student. And, you know, the influence of your sisters, who I know you love and respect um, to your core, share a little bit more for our listeners about, you know, the dimensions of family and that, that and how it interplays with that mindset. Because, you know, here you have two, you know, we call ourselves Hanyaks. It's kind of a Wisconsin term for you know, two brothers from Wisconsin who you know, are in business together. But could you ever see yourself going into business with one of your sisters or more than one of your sisters or your parents? Or, you know, are you, are you getting some pressure from, from them to think about, you know, not just next semester, but, hey, you know, let's really kind of have a vision for what Jesse's future is going to be about. Can you share a little bit more perspective about that and kind of the the role of family. Absolutely, absolutely. So I'm I'm really honored and glad to have, you know, uh, my sisters and, you know, my parents championing me every step of the way. <laughs> About that B plus. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, my whole life, you know, I've always had, you know, straight A's or I've always been at uh, the top of my class. So it, it was never... My whole entire career here in the U.S., I've never had to send my parents my grade reports. I've, that's how much faith they've had in me. And same with my sisters. I've never had to send them, hey, you know, I got 4.0. You know, they don't care because they knew, like, that's, that's the expectation. So it was never, like, I'm trying to prove them that I can do this. And uh, when, I got the, when I got started getting those uh, B pluses in <laughs> freshman year, it was more of a combination of the health issues that I had and not being able to focus on school as much and basketball. And, you know, like you guys, you guys are brothers having a business. That's, that's my dream, you know, starting a business with, you know, my sisters or my parents. And they've definitely, they've definitely kept some pressure on me to succeed and always think, you know, five years ahead. And, I've had the luxury to have them support me every step of the way they still do. And, um, you know, just me, um, everything that I do, I always think about if it was someone, some other kid in my shoes, um, given everything that they're given, what would they be able to do? And every time I think about that, I'm like, hey, you know, I have these people always championing me, always, you know, giving me some some um some words of encouragement and uh, i'm always empowered i feel like i feel like i can run the world because you know i have them by my side you know they're always pushing me so you know that that fresh that freshman year of college when things weren't going well on the report card you know i admitted it and uh as soon as i admitted it they were like yep whatever it takes 
um, if you stay there, you don't play basketball. If you leave, you go to school and all you should focus on is school. So, you know, uh, in, in hindsight, um, I knew I wanted to play college basketball. And I also knew I didn't want to regret not playing it. So I was like, you know what? If I end up going to play college basketball, um, I'll never regret that decision. And when I think about it now, uh, if I hadn't played college basketball, I probably could still think, hey, maybe I could have gone to the NBA or maybe I'd had that breakout season and, you know, Coach, Coach Khaled Perry would have noticed me and now I would be, you know, having you guys sit in front side, you know. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm happy. I made that decision. I'm also happy. I've had a support system my whole time uh, to, to always motivate me and kind of put me on the path to where I can get my potential. You know? so, you know. Yeah. Love that story. The, uh, I think it's true. You know, your family members, whether they're blood related family members or close friends who become like brothers and sisters to us out there, right? Uh, everybody, you know, they, they, they push us to be better and they, they help us kind of understand uh, through their own lens or a little bit different lens, you know, let's not waste this opportunity. You know, let's, we got one chance at living this life and you know, let's not waste this opportunity um, because we, you know, uh, maybe uh, see it from a different perspective where, you know, we're down on our health or we're down on our, we can't get that internship or we're down on something else that's affecting us. And we're out there uh, instead leading by example and being a good human being and being a, a really trusted friend and brother and sister, you know, to, to people that need us. And I think that's, that's uh, especially in this time, you guys just got done talking about this. That's, that's what this world needs more of. And, you know, love it that uh, we're getting into some of those maybe uh, uncomfortable conversation zones here in this podcast. Eric, uh, any other questions for Jesse, you know, as we start to wrap up? Yeah. Um, so you're going to be done with your MBA here now next May. Is that right? And you're going into the finance and business analytics world. Um, what are you most nervous about and what are you most excited about, you know, at that sort of uh, inflection point, you're going to be sort of closing the chapter on your school career you're not going to stop learning, obviously. That's maybe when the learning starts uh, is when you actually get into a, a role, as you discovered, maybe during your internship this summer. Um, tell me what you're most nervous about and what you're most excited about. First of all, I'm, I'm most excited about graduating again because <laughs> I wasn't 100% sure I'd be back uh, to finish my uh, MBA. But, uh, you know, with the grace of God and uh, my support system, I was able to. So I'm most excited about just graduating and finishing, closing that chapter. You know, that's like one more step that I won't have to worry about. Um, I'm most nervous about the landscape. The, the, not really, I'm really nervous about, I'm not really nervous, nervous, but I'm kind of concerned about um, if, um, how how fast the world is changing like i said earlier with technology and the trends um i think i'm just overthinking how much i'll be able to contribute or 
um, how much um, I'll be able to uh, impact, you know, as such, as such a young professional, you know, I'm, I won't be expected to, you know, be like you guys who are what decades into the industry and have as much uh, insight. But um, I'm just um, looking forward. To, I wouldn't really say nervous. I'm just looking forward to that uh, learning curve and especially with like the, the new technologies and how fast it's evolving and, you know, hoping I can not just keep pace with it, but, you know, try and stay ahead of it to, you know, maybe exploit some of the opportunities that may present themselves on the way. So that's really a cool answer, Jesse. And um, I noticed, and I won't go deep into the subject matter because I don't want to give you any zingers here, but I did notice that um, the new SEC, relatively new SEC Chairman Gensler, uh, appeared before Congress a couple days ago, and he had some remarks, uh, and some remarks he didn't say out loud around specifically cryptocurrencies. And the question was around uh, Ripple XRP and the ongoing uh, lawsuit, I guess it's a lawsuit, regulatory intervention, whatever you want to call that, between the SEC and Ripple. And the nature of cryptocurrencies particularly stable coins like Ripple, which is pegged to the dollar, and whether or not that's a security or not. And the definition of a security came up and they started talking about this. And Gensler very, uh, I'll say clumsily said, oh, I see the red light, meaning he didn't want to answer the question. And the time was up on the question asker. I think it was Toomey, uh, Representative Toomey asked him this question about, well, how can Ripple be a security if there's no expectation of appreciation apart from its peg to the dollar? Oh, I see the, the time is up. Uh, no, no chance to answer on that. So I, I love your uh, the nervous answer that you gave back because it's not really nervousness. It's anticipation. It's excitement. It's the fact that things are about to change in a big, big way. And a lot of the fintech innovation that, of course, is deeply destabilizing to power elites today. And when I say power elites, I'm talking about the money center banks, Washington, you know, IMF, places that uh, Beijing, you know, let's not forget about what's happening uh, on that side of the world. That anticipation um, just makes me, I, you sort of infected me with it, you know, like, wow, what, what would it feel like to be, you know, 23 or four again and starting my career with all these changes happening and, you know, just the, the opportunities that you're going to have in the next couple of decades, I think are, you know, much greater than I had or Derek uh, will have. I'm just super excited to see, you know, how you exploit them. Absolutely. It's, you know, uh, I used to, we, uh, me and my siblings used to make fun of my, you know, my, my dad watching news every time growing up. Now I'm the one checking the news every time, <laughs> reading the article, you know, trying to just understand how much, um, how much is changing every day. So yeah, like you said, I, just like you, I'm just curious to see what happens. You know, the SEC as the regulators, that's their job, right? But they're just as clueless as us. Like <laughs> they're also trying to figure it out, and uh, the market, the players, they're also trying to get ahead of them or you know exploit whatever. So you know, yeah, that's that's the kind of things I'm looking forward to. Honestly, it's, like you said, you eloquently presented it well. So it's guys like you who are going to create the future that I'm going to have to retire in. So don't screw it up. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's a lot of faith in me, Eric. <laughs> it's true, though, and I I really appreciate your uh, your perspective on on that. And I think there. So I wrote a paper last year called uh, "Translating uh, Insights into Action," and the idea is that there's a very limited range of control factors that we actually have dominion over. And then a whole lot of stuff that are either under other people's dominion or are completely uncontrollable. And it, it provides clarity. It allows you to think about the world as a stoic, you know, and not to get too excited about things that aren't under your control. And I think, you know, my, my one piece of advice for you in, in heading out there is do that inventory. Inventory your control factors in a way that um, gives you peace, you know, and allows you to be uh, at peace when you lay yourself down at night and, you know, excited for the day when you roll out of bed in the morning. Well, yeah. Thank you so much. That's, I'm nodding it down right now. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, for those of you that might be listening to this podcast for the first time, what is running into the fog? And I, I'm inspired to maybe restate the intent of this podcast and just how much Jesse, as one of our guests here, guest number 22 on the podcast has embodied this statement. So, uh, you know, we will be t- talking with friends and industry leaders documenting their running into the fog journeys, navigating the unknown and uncertainties they've had to cope with in their professional and personal lives. Podcasts established for business leaders and emerging entrepreneurs who are interested in developing strategies to adapt to competitive and market forces around them, enabling them to reposition consistently when conditions warrant. And you know, I felt inspired to kind of share that based on what you guys were just talking about, because Jesse, you're, you're living exactly to that mantra. It's a little different than the mama mentality mantra, you know, up over my shoulder here, but it's uh, similar in some ways. And, you know, I think what, what you've come on this podcast and shared is just so refreshing and uh, uh, transparent in your knowledge at the ripe old age of 22 or so. Do I have that roughly correct? Yep. <laughs> um, you know, I know I wasn't as well spoken or knowledgeable at 22 as, as you are, my friend, and the chance to have you on the podcast is really a privilege. You know, the, um, the other thing I'll say is this book uh, that I'm holding, if you can't, if you're listening to audio only, obviously you can't see it, but it's a book called Kobe Bryant, The Mama Mentality, How I Play. And it's the how I play part that is uh, what I want to focus on in here, because we all have choices as professionals of how we're going to play. Um, Kobe in his world, he played with a tenacity and a grit and a competitiveness that was almost unmatched by almost anyone else that ever played the game of basketball. But we as as, uh, entrepreneurs, as business leaders, as professionals in whatever uh, circle of life our careers might take us, you know, we have a conscious choice to make. How am I going to play? You know, um, you mentioned something, Jesse, about maybe uh, Coach Calipari would be sitting courtside, frontside, using your term. Well, guess what? Eric and I are sitting frontside uh, from this day forward uh, to, to watch you um, excel and have an opportunity to just be out there and be a leader, be vulnerable, be you know, transparent in your own professional and personal ambitions for that matter. So I'm going to close with that, Eric, I'll let you take us home. You know, anything uh, for our listeners or for Jesse? 
just a thank you. And I think that uh, it'll be fun to see how you play. I've gotten a little bit of a taste of that so far here, Jesse, and I can't wait to see what's next for you. And, you know, like Derek said, be front side cheering you on. So thank you. Thank you guys so much. It's always a great pleasure. And I'm definitely looking forward if you guys are in Erie or New York City sometime, you know, always welcome to, you know, hang out. Right on, brother. We're going to make that happen one of these days very soon, Jesse, I promise you. Um, and I'll feel I'll feel short uh, when we do have a chance to stand next to each other. Come <laughs> on. I may I may take you out in a game of horse, but not one on one. I can I can assure you of that. Okay. Maybe All right. <laughs> couple games of horse that sounds great um, well again thank you jesse for for coming on i uh, hope you have a great rest of your day hope our listeners who are enjoying this podcast uh let's let's close with how they might be able to reach uh, out to you and communicate with you jesse any uh instagram account uh, you on linkedin uh, somebody had a question about your about you or uh some of your ambitions how do they reach you Oh, absolutely. So I have a LinkedIn account, uh, Jesse Nihemuka, N-T-I-H-E-M-U-K-A. I'm, I'm sure maybe you might uh, just... We'll put it in the show notes, for yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, building an Instagram page for one of my <laughs> basketball endeavors, but that's another story for another time. But uh, yeah, feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. I'm always looking forward to connect and... Um, you know, I'm excited uh, what's ahead, especially with you guys on the side. Very cool. Well, Derek, thank you for another running into the fog. And Jesse, thanks for being one of our best uh, interviews yet. Go get, get them. Yep. It's great fun. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Jesse. Have a great day, See you everybody. Next time.